Hey, Conspiracy Kyle here. This special episode today is partial audio from a conversation I had with Jay Hennahan at the How to Kill a Sacred Cow podcast a few days ago. Um, had a great time chatting with Jay, talked all kinds of stuff about Star Wars, from the sequel trilogy, what we think went, went wrong there, to the prequel trilogy, to symbolism in, in other films and movies and TV shows. And then we talked a little bit about you know the comparisons I've made between Padme Amidala and Julian Assange recently on prior podcast. So I had a great time chatting with Jay. He's a really, really, really good dude. And I will post, this is only a portion of the audio. I will post links in the show notes to his full episode on his podcast feed. So go check him out. He's had a lot of great guests on there. This was just his 50th episode. So big shout out to Jay for hitting the big, the big 50 number here. So check it out. Let me know if you like it. May the force be with you. Without any further ado, I would like to welcome to the show, Conspiracy Kyle. May the force be with you. Yeah. I'm not paying attention, so I got this white claw. What am I going to do? I'm going to put this white claw in my Kylo Ren cup. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yo, man, the first order. Yo, how... Gar- uh, so let's just start the podcast here. How garbage was episode... Seven, eight, nine. Um, I I was I was a fan of of uh, Force Awakens when it came out uh, on its own, like before anything else happened, right? I think it started off on a good foot, and I think it had, as far as Star Wars goes, one of like the best ending, right? Where Rey goes up to those steps to meet Luke Skywalker, like that was like some epic shit right there. Um. Hold on a second. My cat, my cat's trying to attack me. Um, <laughs> my cat's like, no, it wasn't. Um, but, but you know, it, this the overarching story of all three movies. It was just not not cohesive at all. It was not one vision. They they've hired and fired so many directors. They hired and fired so many writers, and they piled all these movies on top of each other, like with you know production cycles that were fading in like you know mixing in with the with the one before and the one after so like nothing was done nothing was done right it was all they just wanted to push a marvel type model just crank these movies out like it's marvel and like i'm i'm always going to be of the belief that you can't treat star wars like marvel there's there's too much mythology there's too much spirituality inherent in star wars that like you know and what do you like the marvel movies are you a fan of them uh, I like the first generation Marvel movies up until you know um, Endgame. Yeah, I agree. I, say, same, same here. Um, they're really good movies, but you know they're pretty much basic kind of action adventure stuff, right? You know, and you can crank those out, you know, two, three of them a year if if you need to. And that's what they've been doing. So they tried to do that with Star Wars, just to you know recoup all that money they spent, like you know four billion dollars. Which, listen, like a good business, you want to recoup your investment. I mean, it make it makes sense recoup your costs. But it was at the expense of the story and the expense of, you know, splintering the fan base into all these different quadrants now. And, you know, you can argue, was that done by design? You know, are they trying to get the fans like us out of there that like love the original trilogy and stuff like that to bring in more woke type stuff that isn't really Star Wars? You know, you can kind of argue that a little bit, too. And that's why I brought Conspiracy Kyle on to talk about Star Wars. That's that's like meta conspiracy. That's digging real deep down there. 
Oh man. It, well, because I mean, the Force Awakens, it, it was just it was a rehashing of was Episode rehash. Four. It was yeah. I, I was I was in awe. I I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was so angry, and I thought it it seemed promising at first because I I love the character, and it's been so long since I've actually seen Seven, Eight, and Nine because mm-hmm. I was so angry at them. And you know, uh, I haven't even finished Episode Nine. It got into like the last 20 minutes and I fell asleep and I was just, I, I refused to go back and watch the last 20 minutes. I was just so disappointed because the special effects were what Star Wars was always supposed to be. And that was my only real knock on one, two, and three because I liked those stories despite mm-hmm. a lot of people not enjoying episode three. Mm-hmm. But um, I really, really enjoyed the story arc, but I thought they were getting a little too cartoonish with the the CGI. It was yeah. It reminded me of just like one peg above the remakes that George Lucas did in the '90s, of which I watched when I was a kid in the movie yeah. theaters. All those when they oh, re-released them in yeah. the movies, I was all about it. Um, but that the 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 CGI was just so incredible visually it was exactly what Star Wars always was supposed to be and they retained a little bit of the the comedic aspect of it which is what i thought 1 2 and 3 did well while introducing a character who is universally hated i don't understand how george lucas could not have foreseen that because <laughs> I don't. Maybe he was supposed to be that hated. Maybe he, when he created Jar Jar Binks, it was supposed to be that way. But um, it it's just like it. You that's that's such a crazy idea. I never thought of that. Maybe trying to splinter the fan base, get the old heads out, and bring in some of the woke. Because I was a little disappointed when the the leading character was going to be a female. Mm-hmm. Not that it wasn't. It's just like look. It's kind of like. It's kind of like the uh, the bounty hunter or uh, or whatever her name is in the Mandalorian. She's like going toe to toe, just beating up men. And I'm like, right. that's not all that realistic. Even the most badass woman can't go toe to toe with trained fighters, you know, that are men. Yeah, even in there's um, um an animated series called Star Wars Rebels, which took place kind of a few years before the original Star Wars movie, and there was a female Mandalorian in that. And she was kicking everybody's ass and doing flips. And meanwhile, she's beside two like Jedi's in training. And she's just doing all these acrobatic stunts and stuff that's just uh totally unrealistic. You know, it has, you know, it's just whether it was it was a male or female, it's just like it's not characteristic of what that was was supposed to be, but it's just so over the top them pushing in. And I will say the one thing I will say about the Ray character is that um what I've been hearing is that Lucas, that kind of was his concept to have a female lead character, but um, I, if, you know, if Lucas would have done it, like, like I think he, he wanted to, and that gets into a whole other thing about how Lucas, you know, got $4 billion for it and still thought they were going to keep him involved in this story. Like that's, you know, and I love George Lucas to death, but you know, he was very naive and egotistical to think that he's going to get them. He's going to get his cake, have his cake and eat it too. You know, they basically, told him he was going to be a creative consultant and then just wrote the script and threw it on his door. So I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this? And he was just like, well, fuck this. Why would I, well, I'm not going to be involved in this. Like I did, he had, he had story treatments written in like 2012 of what he wanted to do. And it probably would have been something pretty bizarre, you know, cause he's kind of a, a strange, strange character. Um, but I, I think, um, so I, I would say that 
<clears throat> he did have the idea for the, for the female character, but you know, Ray, the problem with Ray is that you don't really see her go through many trials and tribulations. You know, every fight she's in the first lightsaber battle and she kicks Kylo Ren's ass, who has been, who is of the bloodline of Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia. Uh, you know, so he, he inherently has all these abilities and he's been training under a Dark Lord and, you know, Dark Lords have crazy force abilities, you know. <clears throat> the dark side in some instances is way more powerful than the light. You see that with Palpatine in the prequels of how he's able to cloud their judgment, you know, throughout the whole series. But he, she's just able to whoop his ass the, the whole time. And I just think things like that are unre unrealistic that, you know, and she didn't, obviously she, she was like an orphan and she was taken from her parents and stuff, but it, it didn't really, none of that really affected her. You didn't really see any of, of her having PTSD or effects of that, or even mentioning how like she was, had all these physical pains and stuff, or even had like dreams or stuff, you know, like Anakin had all these terrible dreams about his mother dying and things. She never had any of that stuff. She just kind of willy nilly went through the entire series and, and kicked up everybody's ass and everything she did. And I just think that's, you know, female or male character or not, it's just very unrealistic of, of how it would have, would have been to be a, to be a Jedi, but they want to, but they, they want to push this aspect of anybody can be a Jedi, which is great. And that's fine, but you still have to train and you still have to have some of those uh, abilities and things. And I think just, it was a bit unrealistic. Yeah. And I, I just, it was, I despised the Luke Skywalker character in seven, eight and nine. I absolutely mm. despised him. And like you're talking about that being like the most epic ending to the force awakening, um, the force awakens. And she walks up there, she gives him the lightsaber, and he just chucks it off the cliff. And you're just like, come, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And it was just this crotchety old man, and it was it was this weird about-face kind of uh, Luke Skywalker character. Not that he was all, you know, he was very excited in 4, 5, and 6, you know, maybe not until... He, he wasn't, like, super excited about the role that he had to play, but... Um, you know, you just thought he had more more guts than that, more gall. You know, and even and even Mark Hamill himself had come out and said, like, listen, he's like, he's like, he's like, this character is like me, right? Like, he's like, I've lived with this character for forty years. Like, you should trust me to know how this character is supposed to act and behave. And you know, he was totally appalled, and he said a lot of stuff out in public, which I think he had to kind of about face just to make sure he wasn't, you know, written out of the series going forward. But he he was pissed. Uh, of the of the character choices they had and you know there's glaring plot holes with with his story because in the force awakens han solo says luke was going to look for the um the earliest jedi temple and and that's that's pretty cool right if that's really what luke was doing that's awesome and you can explore that and explore the history of the jedi in the sith you know kind of similar to are, are, have you been into were you into game of thrones at all no Mm -mm. um but i mean there's just one point where they see all these cave paintings on the wall about like all the history of the civilization and stuff so if it would have gone down that where they could have shown some you know the history of how all this stuff happened but and that's what he said he was going to look for this ancient jedi temple but then you get to see luke and then he's like i just came to this island to die like wait wait, wait that's not what we were just told in the prior movie obviously these directors are on completely different um different scripts here you know literally and uh metaphorically it's just it, it, and like i said 
they had the force they had you know the last jedi you know the, the episode eight in production in like 2014 when the force awakens hadn't even come out yet so they were overlapping so badly that stories just were not um cohesive at all and in your and you're right that this the idea of if that's what it was if he was going to no different than obi-wan or luke going to some desolate place in exile to train and and get his mind ready to help the next generation that's one thing but just going there to say hey i'm just going here to die i don't care about what happens to the galaxy one bad thing happened like he he got real like you know millennial mindset like oh one bad thing happened to me i'm just gonna go cry in the corner like that's not that's not luke skywalker he stood up to the emperor and took lightning bolts to his chest to try to save his dad you know but all of a sudden because his his nephew turned out to be a bad dude. I'm just going to go cry in the corner. That's just not, it's just not uh, his character. Yeah. And it's that, that kid has Han Solo blood in him. You know what I mean? So it's like that kid's going to be a tough kid. Even if he does turn out bad, you might be able to win him back. You know, like, like he eventually yeah. is one back. L- like he said with his dad, like his Darth Vader is the most evil person in the universe. He's like, I know there's good in him. It's like, but this kid did something bad at an, at a young impressionable teenage angsty age. And you're just like, oh well, it's over. It it's just it just it just doesn't click. Yeah, yeah. And it, that that was only one problem I had because you know who I, I loved Finn. Like I loved that character story arc. That I felt like they had a lot of opportunity with um you know this guy. He he's a stormtrooper. He flips because he start, but then he does it all again in nine. He does the same fucking thing. Like, he turns yeah. around, and he has to go through the same exact process, you know, learning to care about others. It's like, bro, you already learned this lesson. You know, he yeah. already he already learned that there are other people that need, you know what I mean, instead of just caring about himself, you know, caring about number one. And um, I always forget, what's that What's that pilot's name? Um, uh, Poe. Poe, yeah. What's, yeah. What's, what's the actor's name? Oh, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. I love that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like every time he pops up in a movie, I'm like, it's the guy. Like, I fucking love that guy. <laughs> you know, like an ex machina, he was genius. He was fucking That's genius. that's a movie I want to see because I'm sure there's a oh, whole lot of programming it. stuff in there. I can already tell oh. by the by the look of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the the way that it turns out, it's a cautionary tale. It's not it's not like a propaganda film. It's it's completely Good. cautionary. Yeah, it's it's absolutely beautiful. He's supposed to be um He's supposed to be kind of like a a Mark Zuckerberg type of um, so he realizes that he starts like a social network and he starts um, he starts pulling all the data from all of the cell phones in the world and just using all of that data to create AI. And, um, you know, the the character, the character that he's speaking with is like, didn't the cell phone companies know that you were doing this? He was like, yeah, but they were doing it, too. And if they had, if they wow. ratted, if they ratted me out, they would have had to admit that they were doing it too. So they let me do it, you know. But X hundred percent, hundred percent true. Both of those things are hundred percent true. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And now here's here's kind of like this thing, right? I've I've been kind of struggling with this idea lately, and it's that something is totally um, a concept is totally believable in movies, but it doesn't transfer to people in real life. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, something like, you know, corporations are evil and they're greedy and they, they're only looking out for the bottom line and they will murder, beg, borrow and steal to, to hit that, to hit that dollar mark and all that stuff. But 
all of a sudden, you know, that doesn't translate into real life if it's a pharmaceutical company or a right. vaccine company. You know what I mean? Or I'm right. sure, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm butchering the idea because I've had, I've had, you know, uh, better ideas about this. This particular Well, look at, look at a movie like, um, like rope, like the original RoboCop, you know, the whole idea of the original RoboCop movie is that a huge corporation has privatized Detroit's police force, you know, and they're trying to find ways to create a brand new police force that's cheaper and is able to better control people. And that's through the use of robots. And, you know, obviously it goes horribly wrong. I would say another cautionary tale there too. Um, but in, in, in that, even in that situation, I think it's even like RoboCop too. It's like, I'll tell you what, one thing I'm finding out is like obscure, like sequels and like movies that get um, horrible reviews and stuff. I feel like they have a lot of truth in there that by giving these movies terrible reviews, you're trying to get people to not see it, to know the truth that's in there. Like the end of RoboCop 2, this huge corporation, this whole private police force thing, they got these robots running the streets, killing people. It's, it's not going good. This corporation at the end of the episode, the, the second movie, they say, listen, isn't there maybe just one person we could pin this on to, to get us off the hook here? Maybe just somebody naive that just started at the company or something. It's like, you see that, you see that all the time. You know, they, 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 they find a fall guy or a fall something to, uh, to take the blame for all the, the crazy crap they're doing. But yeah, you're right. In, in real life, um, you don't, people don't, people don't see that other side like you do in the movies. They only see the propaganda side. They don't really take that second step to think like, well, what's really happening behind those closed doors in that boardroom? You know, there's obviously something happening that we don't know about. And most terrible things that happen in this world happen behind those closed doors of those boardrooms because people want to want to make more money. And most people don't take that second thought and think, well, what if what they're telling me is not true? Then what? Then where do we go? And that's the whole thing. You're right. The whole thing about movies is it's showing us all those sides of it. And, and we have so much um, insight into into all these things, whereas in, in the real world, people aren't, aren't taking that second glance. Yeah, like if you see a, a, a president or a world leader in a movie that is actually a bad guy and they're just straight lying to everybody, you know, it's, it, for some reason they can't just go, oh man, well that's, that might be based on something real. It's, I, I wish I could think of a good example right now, but I can't, but that's okay. Um, so getting Palpatine back. And Palpatine, Palpatine in the prequels. Oh, you know, he that's says, a, perfect, perfect. He's like, I, I love democracy. I love the Republic. Like mm -hmm. I'm only going to use these emergency powers for good. Like, like those in, I, I will say like going back to my theory, I talked about a few minutes ago. I think that's one of the reasons that, and there's no way to prove it, that the prequels were were panned so badly by critics is that I feel like maybe there was a concerted effort by the mainstream. Like, listen, they put too much real life stuff in here. Like, this is too close to the mark of what of, of how totalitarian governments go from here to there. Like, you know, the emergency powers and the, you know, pinning the everything on the Jedi and, and all this kind of stuff. So, like, let's, if we give it bad enough reviews, will, will people only think about the Jar Jar Binks or the terrible acting and not think about this underlying story, which is um, basically how Nazi Germany started and how every totalitarian government starts. It's the same, it's the same playbook. So it what, so the, basically like when our governments do that in the future, we don't want them to be able to look to this and say, um, you, you know, these, like, here's one example here, like talking about emergency powers, um, and I found this out recently, you know, every year since 9-11, 
every president has signed into law for another year a state of emergency regarding the terrorist attacks on 9-11. And every single president for a year increments, year, year, year. So we're effectively living in a state of emergency 20 years later from a terrorist attack that a lot of us believe is, is very fictional in its, in its true account. You know, so, but the, it's the same thing. You know, you, they, they say, we're only going to use these emergency powers as long as there's an emergency. Well, they're going to create an emergency or they're going to continue an emergency like Palpatine does with the Clone Wars. He keeps this conflict going on and on so he can keep this power. But it's all, but it's all a game, just like, every, like with COVID, right? They have to keep the PSYOP going because it's, um, I mean, it's obviously there's, there's too many areas of, of, of how, how it's affecting things, you know, but, you know, the, the rich people are getting richer and richer and richer. The billionaires are now like trillionaires and stuff. Now people have less money. The, the divide between the haves and the have-nots is so much greater, but they have to keep the PSYOP going so they can know who is willing to be controlled by, by this whole process and keep control for themselves to be able to keep pushing stuff through bills and stuff that we can't, we're not going to read a thousand pages through to figure out. There's just, there's just so many crazy parallels there. Yeah, I mean, and they definitely learned their lesson from uh, from when when Rome was still a republic, because that was how. I mean, granted, the when someone was given dictatorial powers, they were they gave the power back to the Senate after the emergency had passed. But that um, the emergency powers weren't relinquished during Julius Caesar's time, and then he was murdered, and then you know, then the, it gets it gets more convoluted after that. Uh, but it, keeping societies in a state of emergency is the best way to usurp the rule of law and to usurp the normal um, the normal paths of power and the way that that laws are passed and and all those kinds of things. And so uh, it's it's actually kind of genius. And they they knew that that was gonna that that was definitely the way to go to keep you know to keep America in a perpetual state of emergency in order to to usurp all of that those kinds of things. And um. So it's especially like, and, and and that was actually a really great point, right? Um, that 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 has a great parallel in that. How can you watch Star Wars and see that not look at the the world that you're living in, the society that you're living in, and seeing that they're doing the exact same thing? It is crazy to me. Um, and one thing that's interesting too is is that George Lucas actually came up with the idea, um, the the general galactic civilization idea from uh, from reading about Rome, as well as Isaac Asimov for the Foundation. I don't know, have you read the Foundation or have you seen the the Apple TV series yet? No, I have. I have not. I have not. Yeah. Um. So he came up with the the uh, uh, he was reading Gibbons' uh, The History of the Fall of Rome. Uh, and that's where he came up with the idea for Foundation. So Foundation is this, it takes place in a galactic empire, and what happens is this one mathematician creates something called psychohistory, and he discovers that the empire is in a state of decay, and that it's going to fall within 500 years, and what was going to follow is 30,000 years of barbarism. Now, of course, the empire doesn't like to hear things like this, because that, that means that their power can be um, blunted, and there can be revolutions and all this types of stuff, and they don't actually believe them. And so instead of killing him and his people, he, they exile him because he tricks them into allowing him to start an encyclopedia 
um, a, a, a galactic encyclopedia to store all of the the um, galactic empire's knowledge and science and all that stuff at a at a planet um, on the periphery of the galactic empire. So knowing that the empire was going to fall, what they were doing was creating the seed for a new civilization for a new empire, and they were trying to shorten that um that 30,000 years of barbarism to maybe like uh to 3,000 or 1,000 or something like that really like an incredible series and it's like it takes place so far in the future that humans don't even know where they came from one of the books is all about searching for for the planet where humans came from really really fascinating stuff but you know my main point was that uh George Lucas and Isaac Asimov both um, drew from reading about Rome for their works of fiction. So, um, so you said they kind of compressed all the history. Uh, no, in Foundation, they were trying to compress the uh, the amount of time that the the uh, the galaxy was going to be enveloped in barbarism. So they were okay. trying to take it from a thirty thousand period of a barbaric uh, a barbaric situation down to about a thousand years. In which they were trying, they were trying to become the seed of a new galactic empire. Interesting, but but they also had this huge like knowledge base too, which they could, you know, use to their advantage, right? Wow, man, I'm so happy you picked up on that because that's the whole thing is that um, so they are the only people on the periphery of the empire that have access to science because the periphery of uh, of the empire loses all of their knowledge of science first. And so right. they, they create priesthoods and they set up um, all these little uh, – they set up temples on all the, the planets out there in the, in the barbaric region. And they, they rule because they have access to nuclear power um, and can do like cool magic tricks and shit. That's how they maintain supremacy on those planets and they don't do it by taking over planets. They do it by becoming the spiritual and religious leaders of the planet. Right. And they're it's, different than like, you know, like the Catholic Church did like four or five hundred years ago, right? Because none, none of the peasants could read. So they would be like, listen, we will read the Bible to you and tell you what it means and how to interpret it. And, and oh, by the way, you have to give us money so you can get to heaven. You know, <laughs> you know, because that because that makes sense. But but you can do that when you have the power, when you have the money, when you have the oversight of of the masses of people. You know, and, and that's and that's the thing I think people don't realize is is the masses. There's always more masses than there are of these people that are trying to lead us, you know. And if we can all get our shit together and not fight about red team versus blue team or this versus that, we could accomplish so much so much more. But we are inevitably drawn into these pointless, you know, political conversations and and in arguments and things that, you know, draw us away from that. But dude, that's, that's really interesting. I have to check that out. Oh, the books are so good. The books are so good. I mean, the, the, the series, I've only seen the first couple episodes and they seem pretty good. Um, but again, they try to do a little bit of that woke kind of salt and pepper where they change Gail, uh, Gail Dornick be, uh, goes from a man character to a female character. You know, mm-hmm. they, they had to of do course. that. And it, it, you know, that they didn't, it's not too over the top in terms of wokeness. So, I, I can live with it. There'll um, be there'll be there'll be a trans community probably episode five or six I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> a whole a whole planet of just all trans trans it, slash androids or something. You know what? If that actually ends up being the case, uh, I'll give you a call and uh, I'll just tell you, Kyle, you were right, man. I'm sorry, man. This does terrible. Uh, yeah. So uh, 
one thing I love about your show is uh, you deal with. I mean, the the fact one that there that a lot a lot of the episodes, the ones that aren't interviews, are are like thirteen to fifteen minutes. I I like that a lot because you're able to really like get kind of dig down into something real quick. They're very digestible. Sometimes I get a little turned off if I look at a podcast and I see it's three hours. You know, I've, I'll listen to it, but it'll take me a yeah. long time. Um, but you're able to deal with like some pretty, truly interesting ideas. One of your more recent episodes, you were you were comparing the plight of Padme to, um, to Julian Assange. And I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty apt. Um, wh- what kind of even made you... what? What about that story made you think of Assange? Well, um, there's with with the story of, of Padme, specifically in, in Attack of the Clones. Um, I actually read through all the prequel novelizations recently, and you know, I talk about this all the time. For people that don't like the prequels, you know, if they want to take the time to go read those novels, there's, I, I think it. Um, it eliminates some of the cheesiness of the movies when you're, when you're reading it, you know, you can kind of put it in your own voice or, or whatever you want, however you want it to feel. Um, but in attack of the clones specifically, there's a whole subplot that isn't really addressed much at all in the movie itself. Don't mind my cat here walking behind me <laughs> um, it, it, about Padme. So what's happening is that um of course, Palpatine is trying to find more and more ways to gain more and more power. And, you know, he's, he's, he's manipulating this whole intergalactic conflict, right? So there's a civil war brewing. There's these the separatist um, people that are trying to break off from the Republic. So he's like, listen, we need, we need an army. You know, we need an army to fight this separatist army, which is also my army. <laughs> Spoiler alert, you know, mm-hmm. everybody. Um, so, so we need an army. But, you know, his, his whole plot is that he's going to get that army to eventually turn on the republic in the jedi like he eventually does so padme's whole point um and in this like i said this gets lost in just a few minor lines of dialogue that you see in the movie but there's this whole thing going on called um a proposal in in the senate called the military creation act which is just basically like i said they want to create a grand army of the republic um, which like they, like they say, like, like any government bill, it's for our benefit, right? It, it's to help us out, but we know it, it rarely does. Um, saying things like, listen, my home planet of Naboo, uh, like 10 years ago was completely bombarded by war. People were, people's lives were destroyed. Everything was destroyed because of this um droid invasion that happened back in you know in episode one she's like so i saw warfare with my own two eyes and she was in the fight too like she was in the trenches fighting with the people trying trying to get them to get them free and there were even like in, in the phantom menace novelization they talk about there was like prison camps that they were taking all the naboo to outside of the villages and stuff so it was it's pretty crazy so anyways so she's just basically saying listen this whole war machine that you guys are trying to push on us it's not going to do what you think it's going to do. So, you know, when I read that, I immediately thought of, you know, with Julian Assange, what he did back in 2010, when he's like, listen, you guys really want to know what the U.S. has been up to in Iraq and Afghanistan? Watch this video, you know, drone bombs, killing innocent civilians, all this kind of stuff. So I'm like, man, that on its face is a pretty good comparison. You know, just, just the anti-war kind of aspect that they both had. But then with, 
the news coming out recently, which I, w- I will say people that have been following the Assange case probably have known about this for years, but that the U.S. government had been trying to take this dude out while he's been in, you know, U.K. custody be- because of all this stuff he's been doing. They, they want to silence him permanently, either by putting him in jail in the U.S., like they're still trying to extradite him here now, or just take him out. And the same thing happened to Padme at the very beginning of Attack of the Clones. Um, they, they bomb her ship. All her crew ends up dying. And then, you know, um, a few scenes later, they try to sneak this assassin droid in with these little snakes with poison to kill her while she's sleeping. So it, it's those two parallels right there. I'm like, I'm like, damn, that's, that's pretty, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good comparison. And it's one that kind of, that's what I love about Star Wars is like, you know, I didn't even think about that, you know, a year ago, but just with some of the news and stuff about the Assange case, I'm like, man, that is really an interesting comparison. And even just some of their lines of, of dialogue. And, and she even pretty much said too, in, in the novelization, listen, the other reason she didn't want this war to happen was because she knew that a lot of the senators would vote for it just out of their own financial interest. And again, I'm like, my God, Lucas was hitting it right on the head with like this military industrial complex thing where people want to push war just just because of the profitability of it. Like that is something that's gone on for thousands of years, I'm sure. 